Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are Pulse from 1988 and Deathbed, The Bed That Eats. Not to be mistaken with the other deathbed or the very unfortunate bed or that bed from the other movie or the bed sitting for more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. But, by the way, uh, I, I listened to the episode and I like the fact that you, you cut the beginning of the show where we were talking about why we were selecting the movies and re-edited it back onto the end of the show. Of course. <laughs> yeah, but that's for the people who listen to the episode all the way through. Yeah. Little Marvel style post credit sequences yeah, though. Exactly. I don't see anything wrong with that. Little de- little deleted scene action. Got some podcast <laughs> special features. <laughs> One day he's just gonna have a string of us calling each other assholes at the end of the show. <laughs> just going to be an edited in 45 minute argument about us talking about the movies and it's like no no <laughs> that's what the podcast is now we are not doing deathbed the bed that eats people too no <laughs> there is a movie from like 2013 called deathbed i can't tell if it's supposed to be a remake or not uh i do believe it is i feel there was a lot left to explore with this in which in which we can talk about it whenever we get to it, but because there's some interesting stuff about the release of Deathbed the Bed That Eats People. So now I want you to tell us about Deathbed the Bed That Eats People. You goddamn son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so De- Deathbed the Bed That Eats People was a film shot in I do believe nineteen seventy one. The first cut of the film was not uh, produced until 1975, and the first release of the film was not until 2003. <laughs> that movie went deep into the vault. It was deep. Uh, it is the story uh, of, for, for a movie that's about a bed that literally eats people, it's kind of got a deep, involved plot. <laughs> Involving like a demon coming out of the tree and seducing a woman, and uh, apparently the coupling uh, didn't go so well because he's a demon. So his his demon wang killed the girl, uh, and her blood made the bed come alive and get all hungry. And so the bed starts eating people, and then it eats this guy with tuberculosis. And it's like, you know what? You tasted bad, so fuck you. And it puts him inside of a painting. So the guy's stuck in a painting, talking, basically narrating the whole movie. Did I mention all the dialogue in this movie, except for like five spoken lines, is internal monologue narration? 
And and it's not like it's just the one character. It's all the different characters. It's like one of those weird French cigarette smoking movies, <laughs> but with a bed eating people. Uh, you're explaining this as if they explain all this in the first like ten minutes of the movie. Oh no! Like I said, this is a long, it's a long, drawn out plot with lots of small reveals through inner monologue narration. Yeah, important to note all of that revealed through narration. None of that revealed by showing it on screen. <laughs> Cor- correct. Uh, and then so people start getting eaten. Uh, apparently, it's freaking out about one girl. It turns out that she looks like the guy that the uh, the demon banged, and so the bed's kind of like, well, I don't know if I want to eat her or not. And then it decides it wants to eat her, and her uh, her brother shows up to save her, and her brother is the dad from Boy Meets World with a sweet, sweet silver cherry curl fro that is delightful. Uh, and then. Uh, Apparently, there's some kind of a conjunction of time where the bed falls asleep for fucking a day every hundred years or something stupid shit like that. And uh, the guy in the painting can talk and he explains to the girl a ritual that will uh, destroy the bed. And it turns out that it's not a ritual to destroy the bed. It's a ritual that will kill her and bring the dead girl that the demon banged back to life. And then she can destroy the bed for some fucking reason. Uh End of movie. I fucking hate you so much. <laughs> I told you not to pick this movie, and you did it anyway. Listen, that bed eats an apple, <laughs> and then spits the apple core back up for no fucking reason. I love same, what, thing, same thing with a bucket of chicken. I love uh, my favorite part of this whole movie is that opening bit where it eats the apple and it eats the chicken. And then the guy, well, first of all, they're, they're there at, for like a romantic interlude in this random bed in a random house in the middle of the country. And the guy brings a bottle of wine, two apples and a bucket of fried chicken. You forget, fucking, adults. fucking adults. Yeah. Yeah. People that can yeah fucking their own house are going to a, <laughs> an abandoned mansion. The fucking random bed uh, sitting out for no reason. In yeah. in abandoned mansion that used to be owned by a gangster. What a better place to fuck. Oh, you guys didn't you guys didn't let me get to my favorite part, because my favorite part is when it spits all the chicken bones back out into the bucket and it's already drank all the wine. And then when they go to get it, he's like, I must have made some sort of mistake. Implying that back at their home he had two buckets, one with full of fried chicken <laughs> and one full of chicken bones, and he just thinks he grabbed the wrong one. He's like, fuck, I drank that bottle of wine, ate most of this apple and all that chicken, and then packed it all. Like, how drunk was I last night off this wine that I ate all this chicken and forgot about it? <laughs> right away, you kind of know what kind of movie you're getting into when that happens. Yeah, fucking terrible one. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll tell you guys what. It's a bad movie, but man, I had a lot of fun watching this movie. I know Brian hates it. I had a good time. I think you had a good time because you knew I was going to hate it. No, no, it was kind of surprising. I honestly think the worst part of this movie is all of the the internal dialogue. That's that's the worst thing about it. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing with this movie. The worst thing about it is that there is really no plot. Like, most of the characters that get eaten by the bed never interact with each other. They just show up, get eaten, and that's the end of their story. And There's even, like, a bed-eating people montage in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Which is super fucking weird, 
but like it's just literally the guy in the the guy in the painting for whatever reason which for people who haven't seen the movie is literally there's a painting on the wall and then it does sort of a break the fourth wall kind of thing or break the third wall i don't know what you call it and you literally see a guy crouched in behind the painting talking out through the painting <laughs> but he just starts telling stories and they just reenact the stories and it's just groups of people showing up to fuck in the bed get eaten i mean at one point it, it it literally eats an orgy yeah um but again, like all just interconnected scenes of the bed eating people. Like they had this idea, like what about the bed that eats people? And I'll even go as far as to say that the bed eating people is not that poorly executed. There's this weird foam that forms around them and they sink into the bed and then you see them kind of under inside the bed in this <laughs> weird like hovering in this like weird like yellow ooze. I know. I was getting ready to say, I know they were going for wanting it to look like acid instead of water. But it looks an awful lot like they're being sucked into a big old tank full of PB, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. But it, it it's not that bad. And like you say, like some of it's fun. And it's just like all this needs is like some sort of slasher-esque like mini plot to just tie everything in together. But instead of doing that, they just have this like ridiculous amount of <laughs> just narration just explaining what you're seeing. It's like watching the world's worst uh, audio commentary on a track. It's just like, just and then there was this when this person came up and they walked over to the bed and they sat down and then they started fucking the other person in the scene and then they got sucked into the bed and eaten. I do like the inner monologue parts where it's like a guy in the painting and he's like talking to the bed for some reason. He's like, ah, do you hunger again? Yes, I can hear your stomach growling. Well, I certainly don't like those parts. I don't like any of the talking in this entire fucking movie. I'll tell you that. What? Not even, uh, not even Boy Meets World, Dad. I did not know that was with, Boy Meets World. Dad. That's, that's who that is. With his, with his clearly Halloween prop skeleton hands. Hey, man, it's low budget. It's seventies. Right, but even low-budget movies, you take the time to, like, you can see, like, the wire pins that hold <laughs> the hand on the wrist. Like, That's just because they do close-ups on them. <laughs> close-ups close for five and a half minutes. <laughs> it's, again, yeah, the problem with this movie is, it's, and, I, and I think it's important to note this, it's not the fact that it's about a bad eating people. That part's kind of fun. It's the fact that it has no story and plot and characters. Like, you know, all you need is group of teenagers shows up somebody keeps tricking them onto the bed and the bed eats them and eventually the survivor girl has to destroy the bed like that's simple enough but they can't pull that off they don't have enough plot to do that so the result is that the movie gets very very boring for most of it brian i feel like you're not uh you're not engaging with i it, fucking, I fucking hate you so <laughs> goddamn much you have I'm no just, idea how pissed I was. I had to rewatch this god awful movie. I'm assuming that means that it is not better on the second watch. No, it's even worse. Oh no, I, I I guarantee you this movie is worse on the second watch. Unless you're like not on acid the first time and you are on acid the second time, that might be different. But <laughs> <laughs> if you if you ate a bunch of acid then watched this movie, you would go to work the next day and be trying to explain a movie to people, and they would be like. Were you on drugs? Yeah, but that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I'm telling you, there was a bad eating people, and and they edited in the sound of snoring for the bad. I don't know why. 
you'd be watching this like on like if you're um, high on pot because I swear you'd constantly be rewinding it trying to figure out what was going on and not understanding that nothing's going on. Right? There's even there there aren't a lot of like so all the kills are basically the same kill and the one exception's pretty cool where uh, you get the. Uh, the black chick who gets her kind of like her legs eaten a little bit and then she manages to crawl out of the bed. She's crawling across the floor and then like the bed curtain like uh, fucking Indiana Jones is her leg and sucks her back into the bed. So yeah. that would be a cool kill if they didn't spend a solid four and a half minutes of her climbing up three stairs. Yeah. It's like watching a really bad ladder match when you're watching WWE and the guys like trying to climb the ladder super slow to make sure that nobody that somebody's right. to get It's like right. that. and clearly the guy on the ground spots the timing. Yeah. <laughs> Except in a movie you can edit that and make it not take four and a half minutes to go up three steps. But they did. I mean this isn't a good movie, if anyone's wondering. Like some of us seem to be enjoying the conversation. Oh, so terrible. <laughs> it is a this is a Troll 2-esque movie. This is a really, really bad movie, but it's kind of fucking funny. Because well, it's so bad. Yeah, and again, like the effects of the kills are decent. It's just, it's the same thing over and over and over again, right. and nothing else happening around it. And Dude dude, getting the skin uh, eaten off his hands, awesome. Hands afterwards, <laughs> bad. And again, just don't show the hands for so long and quit doing close-ups on them when you don't have good... Like, there's ways to shoot around bad special effects. Don't do close-ups on... And, and have, I don't know, maybe have him be a little more surprised that his hands have been eaten off. He's way too chill. <laughs> Nobody in this movie bothers to act on any level. Not even close. Like, they just literally, like, they're re they I think they read their dialogue beforehand because it was going to be edited in over top of them. And then they're just sitting there like going through the motions, but, like, his hands get eaten off, and he's like, huh, all the flesh is gone, but the bone is still there. And it's like, yeah, we fucking know that. We can see that. Why aren't you a little bit more shocked? Well, he hasn't met Mr. Feeney yet to really come into his <laughs> own. I do like, and, and the funny thing is, there's all these scenes, too, that, if executed properly, would be awesome scenes in a movie, like Demon having sex with a chick. That's cool stuff. Put put yeah. that in stuff. I like that. Yeah. Or or uh, female friend or the sister happening to break off his skeleton hands because he can't stand like looking at you know just having weird bones. Yeah. In a good horror movie, that would be awesome. In this, it's her <laughs> bending and trying to break off his weird plastic Halloween hands. There's also like some random shit that goes on in this movie that I still don't. I don't know what happened there, but like at one point, is there a skull underground and flowers grow out of it? There is. Okay, so I, I didn't add that in through some weird nightmare fuel. Nope, nope, that's the thing. <laughs> okay. And and why and how? Apparently, uh, once the bed eats things, it can teleport them places. <laughs> okay. And, <laughs> yeah. In, in in all that in all that monologue, they couldn't have given us that bit of information. <laughs> well, because. It, they kind of show that, and they show the fact that, like, the one person is smoking the cigarette, and the bed swallows it, and then the guy inside the painting, like, the bed sent the cigarette to him so he could smoke a cigarette. Oh, I don't know if I picked up on that intricacy. 
Yeah, and then that opens up the question of, okay, wait, is he like dead and he's a ghost inside of a painting? Or is he like literally in some kind of a weird Dungeons and Dragons-esque pocket dimension in a teeny tiny room behind this painting? No, I think he literally lives inside the wall. Because you see him in there. And it's like, if he's in a weird dimension, why does he have to stay crouched to fit in a space that would fit directly behind the painting? Right. This is like an Andy Dufresne situation. Somebody moved the painting and carved a hole directly behind it, and now he has to live in that hole, and they just hung the painting back up over the hole. Yeah, it sucks to be that guy. Yeah. Yeah, TB, and then he got stuck in a painting. That's some bullshit. You'd think if they were going to go through all the effort of giving him the TB storyline that they could have had him coughing and shit back there, but they didn't do that. Maybe the bed made him all better after eating him with its with its bed mouth. I don't really think the bed does that. Why didn't we get to see the bed mouth? That's the other thing. There should have been a good scene of the bed like opening up, and there should have been somebody like waist deep in the bed trying to crawl out, like fucking uh, Quinn sliding into the shark. Yeah, I'll t- I'll tell you what the coloration that they did with the foam it does make it real gross. I don't know why. Because it otherwise, it would just look like dish soap foam or something like that. Yeah, but they, they add it. that just a little bit of yellow tint, and you're yeah. like, oh, man, that looks real mucusy. I don't like that. Well, it's because it's because you've already de- determined that inside the bed is peace, so and now it looks like pea foam. Like you're... Mm. And I yeah, that's anybody, also bad. I don't think anybody finds that pleasant. I don't I teach their own, but... Definitely don't need no pee-pee foam on the bed. <laughs> I like the fact that the bed takes the time to make itself after each kill, too. That's kind of fun. It really tidies up. Well, because it it can only kill people who voluntarily sit on it, right? So it kind of really does need to tidy up. And Well, see, sure but I, d- I don't know if that's true, because in the one scene, it kind of proves that it can, like, whip out with its weird curtain arms and grab people. It's true, yeah. So maybe it's just lazy as shit. I can't. Yeah, I don't know. Do you guys think Doctor Strange took the uh, any notes from this film with the flying cape? It kind of does look the same. As no. The- <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, tell us all the things you hate about this movie. The entire movie. Riveting. <laughs> Can you give us anything slightly more specific? Uh, the monologuing is dumb. The filmmaking is horrible. Uh, I don't know all the awesome stuff you're talking about, like that it eats an apple and spits the core out. Is stupid. Fuck this fucking movie. What about the bucket of chicken, though? The bucket of chicken is still horrible. <laughs> I did end up having fried chicken for dinner the day after I watched this, and then like as I was like eating leftovers for lunch at work the next day, I went, wait, did that movie accidentally sell me fried chicken? What about, what about the weirdly impressive amount of boobs they managed to work into a movie about a bed that eats people? I don't know. I think any movie that's set 90% on a bed is going to have a lot of boobs in it, so I don't know if that counts as an accomplishment. Do we really say there's a lot of boobs? I there's count quite, like four. There's quite a few. I think there's more than four. I was I was thinking that there was six. There was the bucket of chicken couple. Yeah. There was the girl who was like all scared because she didn't want to tell them that she didn't want to be there. She's like, I should have just told them to take me back home, but I didn't, so I'm gonna go to bed at like noon. 
It's just because that's the only way you get some daytime boobs going. There was the assistant of the orgy dude. Yeah. There was the demon chick. The chick that gets bound to death by the demon. So we're up to like eight boobs here already. Right. I'm averaging out two boobs per woman. I don't remember the details. I think that's a, that's a solid calculation. <laughs> Man, that's a that's a decent amount of boobs for a movie with no driving plot behind it, <laughs> other than what they just randomly hand to you to explain what's going to happen next. I mean, Brian, you didn't even like the fact that the bed has a dream sequence where no. the bed dreams of moving to the city where it can eat all the people and cause like an apocalypse, an apocalypse of bed eating. No. Much like, much like everybody else, we thought Undrunken Zombie would be hilarious to watch this movie. All because Patton Oswald made fun of it in his stand-up routine. And then we watched it and we're like, this was the worst decision we've ever made in our entire lives. And somehow, I had to watch it twice in my lifetime because of Noah. Doug put it on the list. I don't care. It's still your fault. <laughs> we share blame. I literally, I'm like, I need to see this movie one day. Uh, maybe I can take these guys down with me. You can double double Doug's blame for uh, intentionally mind-fucking me out of picking uh, Nightmare City. Because Nightmare City's dope. Okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We'll discuss that on another podcast. <laughs> I want to talk I, about it now. Can I call out Patton Oswald for a second, though? Sure. Because that's a guy that clearly never saw this movie and yet has forced millions of other people to watch it because he, he made it famous by talking about it. But when you watch that stand-up bit, all he talks about is the guy writing it. If he'd seen the movie, he'd know goddamn well no one wrote this. Like, it's, that's not what this movie is. I this do believe... And dialogue was edited in over top of it. I do believe in his stand-up routine, he only ever says, I saw the trailer. Maybe, but yeah, it's it's because uh, I watched it before I watched the movie, and I'm like, yeah, he's talking about how somebody sat down to write this movie, and I'm like, I don't think anyone did. <laughs> I think they filmed a bunch of scenes of a bed eating people, and they were like, shit, now what? What if there was a demon in the bed, and the demon's in the bed because the demon was in a yeah. tree, and the demon saw a lady and was like, I want to get some of that. We have the budget for that. Now get the guy inside the painting to tell the story. There's a guy inside the painting? There is now. <laughs> yeah, and we'll just we'll use the same actor and we'll just put red contact lenses and we'll be like the demon. I think you're putting more thought into even what they put into the movie. Oh yeah. <sighs> you still got them plastic skeleton hands from Halloween. I know what we could use them for. You have no idea how much I hate you right now. I love you, Brian. I would never intentionally harm you. I think you lied. You lie! Like I said, Doug put the movie on the list! <laughs> Technically, this is just payback for Robot Holocaust. It's taken me a long time, but <laughs> Vengeance is a dish best served gold. Yeah, but, but you just got... I liked it. You got Vengeance on Brian for a movie I put on the list. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you, you misfire. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Anything else, Noah? You got to say about fucking deathbed? Unless you want to drool over it. <laughs> I'm not drooling over it. I'm just saying, if if you're into bad movies, this one it's it's fun enough to like give it a once over. 
I'm kind of with Brian. It's probably not worth two times. Oh, no, I, will, I will never watch it again. <laughs> right. <a> certainty. Um, <laughs> I think it could be fun to like, like if you started drinking in the afternoon, then at night you're like, if we stop now, we'll pass out. Then you can just watch this movie at that point and uh, have a good time with it if you had a group of people together. I think it's a, I, like I say, I enjoyed some of the scenes individually. It's just such a boring, boring fucking movie. That's the problem. Agreed. That's two half recommends and uh, and a threat against our lives. Yeah, we should note that prior to hitting the record button, Brian did threaten Noah in more than one way, and they were pretty specific. So <laughs> if Noah comes up dead, I may have to go somewhere to testify. <laughs> Well, Doug, why don't you tell us about Pulse from 1988? Pulse from 1988. Um, so a kid goes to stay with his dad for the summer, uh, and he happens to get there at the same time as an evil electrical pulse invades the home. You say kid, but you're failing to mention it's Joey Lawrence. Oh, I was getting there. So it's, it's Joey Lawrence. He's uh, befriends his own little brother who happens to live next door, which is fun. Because <laughs> apparently in the casting, they're like, we need somebody to play the kid next door. I have a brother. Okay. <laughs> in the trivia, it says that was actually his mom. That's exactly what his mom did. She goes, I see you have another part. I have another boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it basically plays out similar to a haunted house movie, except Instead of a ghost, it's an evil electrical pulse. Um, so the kid basically figures out what's going on. He goes to visit the previous house where the pulse destroyed the family there. There's like a weird like handyman trying to fix up that house who uh, basically plays the crazy Ralph of the movie and starts warning people to stay away from electrical things, <laughs> which is kind of hard to stay away from electricity in like 1988. Sometimes unplugged is better. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, like, it end, the message of the story ends up being about how you need to, like, unplug and move away from all the electronics, and that old guy actually lives in a house that's heated by wood and uses only kerosene light and stuff. And it's like, it's 1988. There wasn't that much. Like, yeah, you were using microwaves and stuff, but I don't think that that was causing a great deal of problems in our society. This movie feels like if it was made today, it would be about you know, putting down your electronics and looking up at the real world, which is a more valid point. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, the movie plays out almost like Poltergeist or something. We could have teamed it up with Poltergeist, yeah. and then you wouldn't have had to watch Deathbed, Brian. That's true. Um, but it's, it's, so yeah, it plays out kind of like that, um, where it's just the family. Everything keeps getting worse, and they keep figuring out something's going on in this house, and eventually there's a big fight between the electricity and the dad and son. Well, I'm about to give Deathbed a compliment. All right. So I watched this Pulse like about a year ago. Didn't really enjoy it. Okay. But after watching Deathbed, this actually this actually was a, a, a nice, uh, refreshing watch. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, shit, this is like Shakespeare compared to fucking Deathbed. I just got done watching. Well, I mean, Pulse, for all intents and purposes, is a kid-friendly horror film. You know, like a PG horror film from the 80s about like a crazy concept 
that yeah it it's not bad like the atmosphere works most of the um action scenes work the acting's decent like you mentioned joey lawrence is in this which technically means we could have teamed this up with uh, Pumpkinhead, which has Blossom in it. So then we could have not watched Deathbed. But... Wait, is Blossom is Blossom in the original Pumpkinhead? Yeah, she's a very small role. The fuck you say? That's what I am. DB. Isn't she one of like the dirt children that just live? Yeah. In- yeah, yeah. Holy balls! <laughs> now we gotta watch Pumpkinhead again. Oh well. <laughs> um. So I'm yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I think Pulse is actually. I'm gonna go ahead and call it a decent movie. I think it's like the acting's fine. It's kind of fun. It is. It is one of these kid friendly ones that is like. I think you needed to see it when you were 10 years old to really enjoy it. Yeah. But I don't think there's anything wrong with it per se. It has a. It has only one boob in it, which is surprising considering it's a kid movie. <laughs> I I would have to say Pulse is boring. That's really? A complaint? Yeah, it's it's just it's boring. I don't. I need I need a little bit of a body count in a movie. Just just a little bit. And this has a body count of one, and that happens off screen at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, I can see that. And and you're right. Like that's part of the I think the kid friendly nature of it. Um, I just think it's like. They don't. I, we do get a little bit of blood at one point. The electrical impulse throws a screw at the dad's head, and so he's bleeding for the rest of the movie. But I, uh, I don't know. I just think it's like yeah. that's the na- that's the nature of the film. And like I say, if you saw it when you were ten, that I think that scene in the there's a scene in the garage where the again it's so weird to say it. The electrical impulse that's in this house is. Um, has caused the garage to start to fill up with gas. And so the kid has to like slam the car into the garage door to try to get out. Yeah, somehow it uses electricity to heat and weld open a crack in a pipe without igniting the gas. Yeah, that's correct. Um... <laughs> also, on top of that, it could have just ignited the gas. Well, yeah, if it really wanted to get the kid, it could have got the kid, I think. The electricity is not magic, Noah. Jesus. Uh, did I mention that my the second? So besides complaint number one that it's boring, complaint number two. After about the first fifteen minutes of this movie, you really, really want fucking Joey Lawrence to die. <laughs> I mean, Ouch. fuck, fuck that kid in his face. Like, fuck him. He's the worst. I don't. I thought he was. Again, I'm not going to say good, but he was... No, not as acting, the character. He didn't bother me. Uh, He's so unpleasant. Stevie can go eat a dick. Jesus Christ. Who's Stevie? Is that the little kid next door? (laughs) Next door, yeah. That kid is responsible for my favorite moment in the whole movie, though. When they're sneaking into the other house to, like, they're going to learn the backstory. Um, and you see, he's like, you better come in here with me. And he's like, all right. And then you see the shot from inside the house. And when Joey Lawrence pulls the like board back to climb through the window and you see the other kid climbing over the fence in the background. <laughs> That's my favorite thing about this whole movie. Cause he's like right beside him. And then when you cut, change the angle, he's like off in the background. <laughs> Keep what, right away. That's what I'm saying. What a dick. 
He's supposed to be his uh, his backup, and he's just like, nope, took off. And I I need somebody to help me out. What's the other horror movie where they heavily feature the cat clock? Because there's another 1980s horror movie that the whole time I was watching this, I was like, isn't there something about a cat clock? And it shows the cat clock at the end, but all it shows is like, you know, a little light behind it or something. But I know there is another 1980s horror movie that like the cat clock is a running thing. I don't know. That's going to bother me forever. Right in. Right in if you know the answer to that question. No, don't do it. Let him go nuts. Was it was it strays? Was there a clock cotton? Because no. there should have been. I almost want to say it's an alien abduction movie, but I could be wrong. Is it something about the kids afraid of the cat clock or something? Nah, I don't know. Fuck it. It's going to yeah. drive me bonkers. What did, you, what did you guys think of Pulse from 1988? Well, like I said, I watched it about a year ago and kind of felt the same way that sort of everybody is, where it's just sort of like, eh. I would have saw this when I was like 10 or 11. I probably would have loved this movie. But it doesn't really hold a whole lot for me nowadays. Um, as I said, <laughs> Citizen Kane compared to the movie I watched beforehand. So yeah. refreshing to give it a rewatch. Uh, I'm assuming you watched the same version I did, which was on YouTube and was actually like blown up. So uh, I actually paid to rent Pulse. Uh-huh. Oh, I little- found it. I found it streaming somewhere else. I can't remember where I saw it. <laughs> I just watched it on YouTube yeah. while I was at work, even though I, I technically own this on Blu-ray. <laughs> it was a blind buy. Yeah. So, but I was like, eh, I'm going to knock this out at work. And it turned out to be okay since I'd already seen it. Yes, remember that time in the movie where the TV is menacing a child by just like slowly doing the scan lines? Yeah. You remember that? <laughs> that's, that's one of the more exciting parts of this movie. <laughs> it also fucks up their videotape, and then they have to, <laughs> to pay to buy the VHS tape for sixty dollars. Because when they go to return it, it's all fucked up. The TV stuff kind of reminded me of the movie uh, of like Wes Craven's Shocker, where the, where the guy gets at one point he gets like stuck in the TV. Right. Like I kind of was thinking about that, which made me a little happy. And that's I was thinking, true. I was also thinking we could have watched Shocker, and then we. I had to watch Deathbed, which would, would have been fun. <laughs> were you guys, were you guys thinking that like there was supposed to be something else going on? Like I, I felt like it was more like Demon Seed, and that the the electricity had some kind of grander plan than just murdering people. Because at first it shows that like you know melting and refusing solder and stuff on chips inside of things, and it's like oh, it's like building something and getting more powerful and it's like no it's just making the tv make funny lines yeah when when they brought in the old guy that was like across the street when like when when joey lawrence breaks into the old the house that had already been destroyed by the electricity and the old guy like starts to explain things to him like oh this is going to be our exposition character this guy is going to help us understand what is actually going on and like how what is the deal with this electric pulse you know, is it a demon or is it a whatever it is, right? But no, we get no explanation. No. And I mean, there there was a lot of that in the movie where there was like, like there's a plot line about like the dad is always going to work and the kid is getting upset with him. And you keep thinking like, well, they'll learn to like get along better or something, but they don't really, other than the fact that they fight the electricity together. Mm. There's no real resolution to that. 
I mean, really, it's just his kid being an ungrateful little shit and complaining about every single thing. Well, <laughs> I don't know if, if you're a kid. I, okay, I'm gonna. Here's where I gotta defend children for some reason. But <laughs> we, if you're a kid and you are living in Colorado, and you're told you got to pick up and go stay with your dad who you haven't seen in months and you move all the way up to California and then the, like you think you're a skateboard kid but when you get out there all the other kids are way better at skateboarding you and won't let you hang out with them and then you're like well at least I get to hang out with my dad no he's going to go to work all day come home like I think it's like the kid's second day there the dad's like well I got to go to this cocktail party for work so you can come with me if you want kid and then he's just like no so he just leaves his 10 year old home alone I mean I'd be avoiding that kid too. That kid complains about everything. I don't know. He makes he makes the guy's wife cook him a whole nother dinner because his food's got a mushroom in it, and apparently he doesn't like mushrooms. No. And, and then she, she goes to heat him up lunch, and he complains that the microwave might give him cancer. To be no, fair, he doesn't say cancer. He says it's going to make him sterile. Yeah. To be fair, he was eating it. He was not enjoying it, and she asked him what was yeah. wrong, and then he told her he didn't like mushrooms, to which then she offered to make him something else. Yeah, I know. She's awesome. He's a little shit. That is one point oh. I did want to make. I loved that the stepmom, or whatever she is, uh, I like that she was actually on his side throughout pretty much the entire movie. Right, right, right. A a even more so than the dad. Yeah. Because usually with like a step parent situation in some of these movies, they always make them like sort of the bad guy. And then when shit goes wrong, it's like, oh, he's making up stories again. And then the step parents, the one that's being a dick the whole time. But I like that she was sort of on his side and his actual dad was just like, electricity doesn't hurt people. That's ridiculous. But it even goes a step further when the kid calls the mom and is like, can I come home? Because something's not right here. They actually give him a line of dialogue where he defends the stepmom. And it's like, no, she's great. She made me soup that one time. Like, he's, yeah. he's, the, and I, I thought that was a nice change of pace because the 80s is so full of movies where the kids are, have to go stay with, you know, stepmom or stepdad that doesn't like them and doesn't want them around. <laughs> that's just happened so often in the 80s. And, Usually the other parent was dead, so that's why they had to be there in the first place. In this case, they're like, no, 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 the stepmom's great. There's nothing wrong with her. And even the dad doesn't really do anything wrong. He's just a busy dad who's working. And the kid is just feeling a little out of place. It's kind of a, I think it's supposed to be like a fish out of water type story. But they just don't spend enough time emphasizing that. I mean, some kids go to a place with evil parents, and they get to find out that they're a wizard. And some kids go to a, a house filled with loving parents and uh, a sentient charge of electricity tries to murder them and their entire family. Yeah, happens. <laughs> uh, so, do I mean, do we recommend Pulse? How, do, how, how are we feeling? I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a pretty hard to recommend movie because it's not it's not a bad movie. It's just not a good movie. So it kind of falls into that. It's almost so fucking boring that there's no real good reason to watch it. Maybe like turn it on, watch the first 10 minutes, fast forward through the entire movie and watch the last 10 minutes. And you pretty much got the gist of it. Man, someone who is so talking so much <laughs> fucking deathbed. 
Deathbed was throwing, fun. Throwing a bunch of, oh, please. Throwing a bunch of shit at this movie. I don't I, like I said, it's it's not that it's bad. There's nothing bad about the movie. It's just boring. And the one thing I do not like is something that's boring. I will I will say I think this is a very well made movie. Um I think like there's some of the shots like when the when the sentient electric pulse is controlling the furnace and we get the shots of like the pilot like kicking on and we get that like those like tracking shots through the vents and stuff which would have been really hard to pull off with 1980s technology i think they're really well done i think like the scene where the kid is smashing up the car in the garage i think is pretty effective i mean for a kid in a kid-friendly kind of way I think the most of the like actiony stuff works pretty well. I, I, like I do think it's a really well made movie. The acting is good. I know you don't like Joey Lawrence, but I don't think he's bad in it. Um, like Cliff DeYoung plays the dad, and he's been in like Doctor Giggles and a few other like horror things. That you know, like he's one of those recognizable faces. And I'm like, I thought he was decent. Stepmom was okay. Like no, nobody does anything really wrong in this movie. I just think it's not a movie that appeals to a bunch of like forty-year-old podcasters. <laughs> it's just it's not made for us, right? It's made for kids. Yeah, it's not like a lost horror gem or anything. <laughs> but if you're nostalgic for the sort of those '80s kid-friendly movies, then yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of those other ones that like like we could have teamed this up with a million other sort of kid-friendly haunted mm-hmm. house type movies. Um, but we didn't. I teamed up with that, but it's definitely it's definitely not as bad as its reputation. Yeah, I've I've seen it on the lists of like worst movies ever made, and I'm like, I don't know, like not not even it doesn't even belong in that discussion. It's just it's just it's it's very mediocre. It's the kind of thing that like you would have dragged your parents to see if, if you you know if you were ten in 1988. I'm kind of surprised I didn't see it as a kid. I think it's just because I was already watching R-rated movies by the time I was 10. So my parents were probably just like, I let him watch something way worse for him. That way we don't have to watch it with him. (laughs) So you don't want to watch this. Let's watch uh, Friday 13th part four. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think they were more, it was, that was like, well, then you can go just watch that with your older brother and we don't, we don't have to deal with it. (laughs) Cause in the eighties parenting was a lot about finding ways to not deal with the kid. I'm going to go watch this Nickelodeon movie called Mr. Boogity, and in no way is it going to scar me for life. I love Mr. Boogity. We should have <laughs> teamed this movie up with Mr. Boogity. Of course, then we wouldn't have got to see Death, but... And? Life like, would have been okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I, I just think, like... I do think it's kind of funny to watch this movie now, and it's like, it's... They just leave this kid home alone with access to keys to the car and everything for like a whole day. And you're just like, it's a panic. Like, how old is Joey Lawrence supposed supposed to be in this movie? Ten? Like and they just, yeah, you can just be home alone. We're we're all we're going to a cocktail party. Make sure you go to bed when the baseball game's over later. Yeah. Weirdly enough, I actually stayed home alone when I was like ten years old. Oh, so did I. It was the eighties. We were supposed yeah, to totally. It's just funny to watch that nowadays where you're like... Oh, yeah, DCFS would have been called within the first 10 minutes. Yeah, like... I get nervous recording this podcast because my kid's two floors away from me, and if anybody finds out, they're going to be like, whoa. Ooh, you said it out loud. 
Obsidian DCFS is going to come and very politely take away your children. <laughs> just just reveal that I put my kid to bed in his bedroom and then don't sit outside the door waiting to listen for him at all times. <laughs> we got to take him now, eh? <laughs> Sorry about that. You can come get him tomorrow. <laughs> I don't think it's quite like that. <laughs> That's how we just figured Canada Canada works. It's see, it's funny. We make fun of your culture because everything there is better and your people are nicer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you got us. You Good fucking boy, suckers. <laughs> You're not living here in paradise where we're banning abortions and putting ninety nine year sentences on people. My favorite American news story lately is all the people pointing out that there's all these senior citizens having their like social security garnished because they still owe student loans. That's my favorite thing about your country right now. Yeah. <laughs> when you're living in Mad Max times, you won't think it's quite as funny. Right. We've been trained our whole lives to kill and take everything for our own. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Anybody watch anything since last week? Uh, I don't think I did. You watched nothing? I think I think I watched a whole lot of uh, Unearthed, which is like a, an archaeology show where they break down how large structures were built. It's not oh, very. Exciting. It's not very exciting. Which, which, which large structures that they build in the walls? Uh, the fuck. Well, the Sphinx was one of them, which that was kind of interesting. And then uh, the big pyramid in uh, Mexico, one of them. The one that starts with a T, but I can't remember the fucking name of it. I don't. And then the one that's in Cambodia, the one that's the largest religious structure. Can't remember the name of that one either. I really wasn't paying that close of attention. I just kind of put something on to watch it. Doesn't sound like you paid much attention at all. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this will be educational. And then I was like, I can't remember any of this shit. But but that was pretty much it. I've been I've been real busy this week. Doug, what did you watch? Uh, I got a few things. Uh, first thing, because I knew that Brian would want to talk about something that made him happy. <laughs> So, I uh, watched Small Town Crime that you recommended last week. Oh, yeah. I also watched it right away so that when I did talk about it, I'd remember that you had mentioned it on the show. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I won't get into all the details because probably most of the people heard the plot description last week. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was really good. Um, like I say, atmospherically, is it's, it's really kind of just that right mix of like a thriller and like not too dark. So you can kind of just sit back and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like these types of movies where some guy just like makes some random decision and it sends him on this downward spiral. You compare it to Cold in July. I thought that was a good, you know, 
we've talked about Blue Ruin on the podcast. I think that's another example of just that type of movie. Um, yeah, acting was good. Story was, you know, not too in depth where you didn't get confused by it, and there weren't a bunch of unnecessary plot twists. Yeah, everybody's motivations are very simple. Yeah, good. It was. I mean, the lead character was kind of hard to watch at times, just because it was like he keeps thinking, like, "If oh, I solve this crime, we'll get back in the police force," and everybody just keeps going, "No, you won't. You fucking got drunk on the job and you killed a person. Like, that's <laughs> it. You should be glad you're not in jail right now." It's like, yeah, I'll just solve this one crime and they'll let me back. No, no, they're fucking not going to. Stop thinking that might happen. Okay, but maybe though. No. Why do you still drink at the cop bar? Nobody wants you at the cop bar. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's almost like it's almost awkward. It's one of those like where you're just like, oh, somebody should somebody should tell him. Oh, everybody's telling him. He doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. I was pleasantly surprised by uh, Anthony Anderson's performance in this movie too, because I, I know, right? I I didn't know he could act. I I don't think I know him from much other than like stupid comedies. Apparently he can act. So yeah, he's actually good. Yeah, um, him, him stumbling out of the bar drunk is one of the funniest damn things I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "My dick is out! My dick is out!" <laughs> <laughs> Happens to the best of us. <laughs> It's no fighting with this cat in the background instead of listening to us talk about movies. This no, I'm listening. Listen. I heard a weird noise and I looked over and my cat had my mail and was eating my mail like a dog. Will your dog eat your mail too? Why does your dog eat your mail? <laughs> well, I'm saying a dog will eat anything it can like get a hold of. Mine doesn't. Well, not every dog can be as perfect as your sweet little fucking Margot, so fuck off. So <laughs> <laughs> long as we agree. <laughs> what is this fresh hell? Stop it, cat. You're not in paper. That's fucking weird. <laughs> it's the best segment of the show. My favorite part of this is that in my head, I'm piecing together Brian finishes watching Deathbed immediately drives over Noah's in the middle of the night starts training the cat to eat his fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> this revenge will be slow but sweet. Oh, it's gonna happen. <sighs> I can't wait till the one week where I'm like sitting here trying to figure out where Noah is and Brian's just like, Noah, I don't know anything about a Noah. I don't <laughs> Frankly, there, is, there is no Noah. There's no Noah. But did you no, no, no. Let's just move on with the show. <laughs> it's always been a two-person show. I don't know the Scott you speak of. I don't know this Noah you talk about. It's just, just a trail of dead podcaster <laughs> bodies in the background. <laughs> uh, New slasher movie. Brian, get on it. Nah. Yeah. The podcast murders. <laughs> the worst slasher ever. And I'm, just, I'm, I'm essentially the survivor girl just because I live too far away and Brian's it's not going to put that kind of effort into it. It's like, ah, uh, couldn't get my passport. Couldn't get across the border. I guess Doug's safe. You know, the hardcore Canadian uh, security <laughs> that we have prevent you guys from coming up. <laughs> yeah. One day if you're bored, you should go and look up like 
I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. There's uh, people illegally sneaking into Canada, and you can see like they're like getting to the border, and you'll see like RCMP guys there, and they'll like take their bags for them and bring them over, <laughs> and then help them come up. <laughs> like then they'll like officially put them under arrest so that they can like do the asylum thing, just like you guys have. It's the same basic idea. Do oh, we get separated from our parents? Do they oh. do they corral them in cages? No, not, not oh. usually. Well, that's that doesn't sound anything like immigration. <laughs> they let the they let the parents and the kids stay together. What? A lot of the times. What kind of what kind of what kind of place you running up there? It's yeah, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a small town crime. You're a fan. Yeah, yeah I was a fan. Uh, like I say, you you spoke everything you said last week was correct when you talked about it. I don't think I'm as quite as much a fan as you are, but. I'm really glad that I watched it. So it, it made me happy. Um, so then, because we were watching Deathbed this week, yeah. I decided to take some stuff off of my list that fell under the category of I know I'm not going to like this, but I feel like I need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, That's good because then they don't make their way onto the show list. Yeah, and I these are both movies I thought about putting on the show list. I was like, no. Ryan was so upset about having to watch Deathbed. I better just watch these ones on my own. Um, so the first thing I watched was Death House, which is the one that was um, advertised yeah. as being the Expendables of horror. Yeah, it was their big thing, and they have like, I don't think. I mean, you can go through the cast list anytime you want, but it's you know Kane Hodder and Michael Berryman and just a, just a plethora of names. Sid Hag. Um, it's it's a terrible fucking movie, <laughs> and it's not it's that not the fault it's not the fault of any of the like horror icons that each get their scene where they're basically just there to be themselves. But it, it's literally a movie set in a like it's like in a prison, and people go in there, and the prison has like layers, and the bottom layers where the worst criminals are, which makes sense. But so there's five criminals down there. Do you want to know what they call them? They call them the five evils. That's Ooh. the quality of writing that this film has. Is like, <laughs> those are the worst. We call them the five evils. But what, happens, what, what happens if, if someone who's really bad gets put down there as a sixth person? Do they have to amend what they call them? I don't. I, it doesn't come up. No. It's like, well, so, we got another horrible one. I guess we should stick them on the bottom row. But we can't house, the five evils. Death House 2, the sixth evil. Ah, uh, fuck. I hope not. Because I'd probably end up watching it, depending on who they got in it. But, yeah, I mean, the movie is just all about giving each of these guys their two minutes in the sun of being doing exactly what they do. Um, but none of it's interesting. The whole thing has this, like, I think they got their music from one of those websites where you can download your music for free and use it however you wish. Because it's just, like, the crappiest, most, like, stereotypical horror background music, and it's just annoying as hell. That's where, that's where we got our theme music from. Yeah, but we're a fucking shitty little podcast, not a motion. Yeah, exactly. So, like, that's, like, I expect more from them. Um, and, yeah, like, it's just, it, it's just, it's boring as hell. The atmosphere is terrible. There's nothing interesting about it. There's, like, and it's, like, just weird shit happens. Like, these, the two main characters, like, are these, like, students who go into the prison to like look at it and it's like at one point they're like 
showering together in for no reason i think just so they could get a nude scene in but it's like this weird like it's not a group shower it's not like a room full of showers and it's not like individual shower stalls it's just like a shower built for two people with two shower heads <laughs> it's like that doesn't exist why why would you invent that for this fucking movie like you could you could there are scenes in some movies that are set in the slight future where it's like starship troopers is an example where all the military people shower together, men and women, and they're trying to make a point about how egalitarianism in this future society. Okay, that's fine. And there are scenes where like couples shower together and do whatever they do in the shower, and you're like, okay, you're just trying to get a sex scene in your movie. But to just have two characters standing there naked having a conversation just for the sake of it is just no. You don't do that. It's like it's it's oh yeah, I didn't like this movie. It's so yeah, I I hate it. It makes me sad because when it came out, when the, or when they started advertising it, I started like, yeah, like that sounds awesome. And then all of a sudden, it like wasn't getting a very good release. And then all of a sudden, the reviews were bad. And I'm like, oh, this isn't going to be good. And it wasn't. So um, that's a bummer. It, it's literally to the point where I'd say like, if you're a fan of all the people in it, like don't watch it. <laughs> like don't watch it. Like don't if you're like a big Kane Hodder fan, don't watch this movie. He's been in lots of other horror movies. Go watch those. You know, they already got paid to be in it. You don't, you're not doing anything to help this movie. Help them by watching this movie. So don't. And that makes me sad to say. But. Wow, wow. So I was gonna say, and if you're not a fan of uh, Michael Perryman and Sid Haig, then uh, you you fuck off. You fuck well, right off. You don't have to fuck off. First of all, if you're not a fan of those two guys, you're probably not listening right now. Right, like it's. <laughs> we reach a, a very niche market, and that's a niche market where you can say the name, the name Michael Berryman, and people know who the hell you mean. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of us out there, but you know, it. I don't know. It, it made me sad that all these guys were in this movie and it didn't do something good. It didn't have to be great. I was like, I was just hoping for like a slasher. That's yeah. that's actually because like. A couple of weeks ago when I talked about Malevolence, that's how I ended up watching this movie, was I was going to watch Malevolence 2, but it's not on Amazon Prime in Canada anymore, so I guess I'm never going to see it now. Oh, um, no. Doug, look out behind you. <laughs> ah, that fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, anyways, yeah, like, I just, I just, just, just wanted to watch the slasher, and that's, I figured this would deliver that, but it, doesn't so anyways um speaking of shitty movies that i knew were going to be bad before i started uh the 2013 movie texas chainsaw or texas chainsaw 3d if you saw it in theaters which is the one that marketed itself as a direct sequel to the original texas chainsaw massacre do you guys remember this coming out unfortunately yeah yeah so it's so much of a direct sequel to the, the original that it actually uses like footage from the original in the opening of this movie, and it shows like the girl getting away. And it op- conceptually it opens up with the police showing up after that survivor girl got away from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, except when the police get there, there's like ten family members inside. I don't know if you guys have seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre in a while, but there's like four family members in the movie 
<laughs> Which that's when I actually turned it off at that point. Like this is too dumb for me to watch. But then when you turn Netflix back on, it always just has it sitting there going like continue watching it. Come on, continue watching it. And I'm like, fine, fuck it will. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. So I'll concede that even though it's supposed to be a direct sequel and it picks up minutes after the movie, there's a bunch of characters in this that were not there in the original movie. Mm-hmm. The ends, it ends up being the plot is basically that, you know, it's they steal the opening from Devil's Rejects where a bunch of the cops show up and basically burn the house to the ground, right? And kill all the family members. Yeah. But the idea is then sometime in the future this girl finds out that she's inherited this house. Um, she realizes she's been, she finds out at this point she's been adopted. She's part of this family. She goes back there. And I mean, very minor spoiler as if you're not, can't see this coming. If you're watching the movie, <laughs> Leatherface is alive and well, and his aunt or whoever has been keeping him in the basement of this house that this girl just inherited. Um, so when her and her friends go there and start goofing around, they inadvertently let him out. Um, so here's the weird thing about the movie. Some of the kills are actually pretty good. You get Leatherface swinging a chainsaw around and cutting some people up. You get a couple of like tributes to the original movie where he like beats a guy with a hammer, similar to that first kill from the first movie. You have him putting people on meat hooks. The gore is actually quite good. The biggest problem is that when you have these good kills going, they're completely contradictory to the remainder of the film in atmosphere. Because the kills are like modern day, kind of like horror kills, where it's like very dark. But then the rest of the atmosphere of the film is like trying to be like an 80s slasher. So it's just this weird jarring effect when you jump from scene to scene like that. Like you can't have a, you have a scene where he kills one person and he's like literally dragging them off and leaving like the trail of blood behind through the house. But then that's like intercut with scenes of like this one, this one, like, so there's like the couples that go off and there's the one girl is trying to like trick the other guy into going off and cheating on his girlfriend with her. And he's, she sneaks him into the barn and she's like, Oh my God, don't look under that. And when she, when he looks under it, it's like champagne and two glasses. And you're like, but you can't intercut that with a kill scene. It doesn't work unless you're doing an 80s style slasher, in which case you make the kill scenes kind of more fun and less dark and less gruesome. So just none of it worked. And then there's like the extremely obvious plot twist of eventually the girl decides she's now going to like help Leatherface because she's his cousin or whatever. And it's like yeah, obviously, like, first of all, don't. That's not a plot twist because anybody who's ever seen a movie before is going to see it coming from like a minute in. But the the way they do it is just so terrible because Leatherface has already killed like all her friends, and she just seems to forget <laughs> when she, because there's these other people who are doing these like they're some of the townsfolks who had originally done the lynching do come after her and you can see why that would motivate her to like team up with him but it's like she just completely forgets that he killed a bunch of her friends a few minutes ago in movie time it's so weird so is is this supposed to be set during modern day yeah i know where you're going with this so 
So all that shit happened in the 70s, and then fast forward, like, what, 50 years later? 40 years later? Yes. So Leatherface is, like, what, 70 now? Well, I don't know, because the girl who was a baby at the time of the original movie is, like, in her 20s now. Uh, Okay, yeah. That's the other part, yeah. That makes sense. This is how... and that I knew that going in, which is why I haven't complained about it yet, because I knew (laughs) it. It's just like, okay, I have to get past that. But it's so insulting to the audience because what they do is they when they reference like the stuff that happened in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they just don't use a year. They're like, oh, that happened on that August 19th or whatever date they use. But they don't say August 19th, 1974 because that would ruin the fact that it's 2013. And, and it's and I think that I don't remember. I don't think anybody had a cell phone either. So maybe that was their way of like trying to make it seem like this is a generic time in the past and this is a generic present. But neither of them are given a date. But it's like we all know what year this movie. Like if you're going inside in theaters, you know what year you're seeing it. And it's a direct it's a direct sequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Who the fuck doesn't know what year the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Comes? about like who would go see this that wouldn't be a fan of the original it doesn't make any sense so it's like do you think you're fooling people because you're not and it's just and it's yeah, yeah it's, it's just not good at all like yeah. it's, that's why i didn't even bother no and and I, like i say i knew i knew it wasn't going to be good but i kind of just went like netflix kept saying i should watch it and i kept going like i i don't want to but i kind of got to know like how bad could it be and i think i was more annoyed by the fact that like some of the kills were decent and the portrayal of leatherface isn't terrible and there's some like there's some decent moments like at one point he actually is like freaking out and he sews the human skin mask onto himself so nobody can take it off him ever again and that's a pretty cool moment it just has no business being in this like weird light-hearted film about like teenagers getting killed out like you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's it's as if they were trying to capture some of the... Because I actually think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake is pretty good. And yeah, I think they're trying to recapture that. some of that atmosphere. But they were scared to kind of go all in and make a dark movie. They wanted it to be fun and lighthearted as well. And it's like, you, can't, you just can't do both. Like, that's not how it works. So, so you've got, like I say, you've got a scene of Leatherface literally sewing the mask onto himself. But then the movie ends with a stinger where the um, adoptive parents who took the girl in show up, and when they knock on the door, they're expecting her to answer, but Leatherface answers. You, you, no, you can't have both of those things in the same movie. No. It's never going to work, I, you know? And it's just. <sighs> I mean. Yeah. I mean, everything you need to know is the fact that the, the original movie is in 1974. This movie's in 2013, but the baby from 1974 is in her 20s in 2013, and that's like it's it's unforgivable. But it's yeah, at some point you just go, all right, I guess I should have known better than to watch the movie. (laughs) This was literally though. I figured because because we were watching Deathbed, and I thought like let's get a couple other things off the list that are like I want to see them, but I don't expect to enjoy myself, and that's what those were. So I literally watched like Death House and then Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then Deathbed in like three days in a row. <laughs> it was rough. Good lord. 
it was yeah it was it yeah. wasn't i don't i don't know why i did that to myself right yeah I, I did thousands of movies at any given time and i chose to watch ones that i knew would be bad yeah see i skipped it because like you were talking with it when the police get there there's like 10 people yeah like instead of 10 family members i yeah i would have done the same thing i would have shut it off I have I have I have a horrible thing with continuity. I like I like continuity between my movies, and the Texas Chainsaw continuity is like all over the place, so that shouldn't even bother me anymore. But I would be just annoyed as shit. Like I stopped watching uh, Bates Motel after the first episode because because what? Because he uses a cell phone, and you're like, no. Well, that's one part of it. But the layout of the house was different than the house from the movie. And I was just like, nope. Nope, don't like it. So I literally just, that's the reason I stopped watching it. That's fair. <laughs> the thing with this one is I think maybe I got tricked because it does the, like, we're a direct sequel to the original. Mm-hmm. And I think because there have been a couple of versions of that that have been pretty successful lately, I think I got, like, like Halloween is the one that everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Even though I wasn't as much a fan of Halloween as everybody else was, I still enjoyed watching it. Yeah, and so yeah, like I thought maybe I could enjoy this on that same level of just being like, oh, maybe it'll be a fun, like you know, maybe they'll get some. I even thought maybe they'd get some cast members to show up or something. But yeah, Halloween is another franchise that I kind of just have to be like, what the fuck ever. Yeah, there's no my continuity, my continuity sense is just is not going to work with this franchise. No, Halloween is uh, yeah, and uh, they're Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre ones. Really, it's you have a great movie that kicks it off, and then there are some fun sequels in the middle if you don't think too hard about them, and then that's it. That's just stay away from it. Yeah. Like there's, they're not thinking series, you know. Now, have you watched Leatherface, the the one that is supposed to be a prequel? To the yeah. original Texas? I talked about that on the show a while back. Is it any good? No. Okay. <laughs> so. Again, it has some okay moments. Um, like some gore moments and some atmosphere moments and stuff. But it does a whole thing where it's like they kind of, they again, they think they're tricking you by saying like this guy's leather face, but then he's not really. It's this guy over here that is. And you're like, yeah, I don't care. That wasn't a good trick. And then it's, I'm trying to remember like what my problems were with it. A lot of it was just, they try to make Leatherface sympathetic. And you're like, don't do that. Don't just, just like, just tell me the story about him working at the meat factory and having killing somebody and enjoying it and wanting to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Just do that. You know? I just don't get why people, they, they try way too hard to make sense of Texas Chainsaw movies. It's like just, yeah, like, you have Leatherface. So yeah, you have Leatherface with a chainsaw. Done. Yeah, we're don't worry about the other backstory and all that shit. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to do a direct sequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you just have, you know, the family escaping because they, that girl got away and they know the cops are coming, and then you have them hold up somewhere else, and then a few more teenagers show up and they just kill them. Yeah. That's there. You go. Like it's. <laughs> Like that first movie is literally like very, very simplistic plot-wise, and it works because of atmosphere and stuff. I just I don't know that you can ever really do a proper sequel to it. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways, after I watched all that shit, then I let myself watch the thing. 
because <laughs> I was like, I need something. I was just literally like, I just, I, I need something good. I can't because I like I can't, and I'm like, it's actually been probably a couple of years since I watched the thing. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I mean, it, it's what? awesome. Was it because you saw the thing poster in the mist and it subconsciously forced you to watch the thing again? <laughs> no, it's literally because on my Blu-ray shelf, the mist is exactly one shelf up from the thing. So when I was putting it away, I saw it. And I'm like, oh yeah, the thing. And I'm like, I need to watch a good movie. Right, I saw the thing sitting on my shelf when I was putting that other movie away. <laughs> so there is a connection to the mist. Um, and you know what? I would say there's much more of a connection to the mist because they're way more similar films than I than I ever think of them being. Like they're they're both really about these groups of people turning on each other when they're stuck alone and isolated in this you know horrific situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like I I guess I'd never thought of the thing that way. I always th- when you think about it, you're always thinking about the special effects and stuff, which are all awesome. They yeah. deserve all the credit they get. It's I, it still blows my mind how well the effects hold up. Like that, when that head grows spider legs and it's walking around, and you're like, "How the did they do that in 1982?" I don't you even gotta get, be fucking kidding me. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> such a great line. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What's but it's super weird about that because like I always forget. Like my favorite scene in the thing is the blood test scene. Mm-hmm. Which is until the end of this. Until the end, it's not. There isn't a lot of like monster stuff going on. For the most part, it's guys strapped to a chair, just like staring tensely. Well, fucking one of the coolest people on the planet is just dipping a hot piece of wire into some blood. It's like that doesn't really make sense for that to be such a tense scene, but it works really well. It's just, I don't so know. It's, yeah. And I think it just it just nails this like perfect thing where it's like '70s style filmmaking but with '80s special effects, mm-hmm. and it's just it's just it hit the sweet spot. So yeah, I mean it, it's just such an amazing movie. I don't know. I don't think I need to be telling people that. <laughs> if you haven't seen the thing from 1982, I highly recommend it. It's you know, I, I would oh, go man. as far as to say I I recommend the thing from another world from like '50 or whatever, I recommend 1982's The Thing. I'd probably recommend the 2011 movie The Thing. I recommend the book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one of those things like we can never review that movie because uh-huh. it literally is just this movie's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. We would just say that for like an hour straight. Yeah, I mean, it's it is literally an example of a movie that works on every level imaginable. Like, it is the horror stuff works the sci-fi elements of it work the like the atmosphere is great the acting is good it kind of blows my mind how well john carpenter is able to establish this sense of isolation despite having a reasonably large cast in it and the fact that they're like clearly not that far away from other research stations because the the what's it the norwegians that got over there pretty quick you say it works on every level but I say it's missing one. What? There's no naked teenagers getting murdered. Well, you don't need that in every movie. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> including, including children's films. 
<laughs> Fuck. <laughs> the children's film we reviewed this week had the only naked person in it was an adult, not a teenager. But it would have been better had they fixed that. <laughs> I was like, I like when we saw her boob, but I was a little upset that she was of age. That's what Noel's response was to Pulse. No, no, no. I want them to be of age because they need to be at least 30 playing teenagers. <laughs> Listen, my my horror movie preferences have a very specific sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know, and it's it's a very unique one at that. Uh, well, did you watch anything after the thing? No, why would I watch anything else? Yeah, after? yeah. no, I agree. I agree. That's it was a stupid question, but I felt like I had to ask it. Yeah. So yeah, that was it for me this week. Uh, I'll try to do better next week and have something to say positive things about. <laughs> All right. Well, I watched two movies. Uh, I watched a movie called Mutants, which also has a title of Night Shadows. Um, okay. So this has got Wings Hauser in it. And him and his brother, I guess, are doing some sort of, uh, I don't know if cross country is, they're driving, they're driving, they're driving through the country. I don't, I don't 100% remember where their destination is, but um, some, uh, I think they stop at a guest, and somehow they run afoul of some good old boys from the area, Yeah, and those guys, like, you know, come up behind them in their pickup truck with guys standing in the bed, as you do, yeah, like, throwing beer cans at them and shit, and they end up driving off the road, like, down an embankment into, like, a creek or whatever so they're like okay well we need to i guess walk to this town to get to get a tow truck to come get our car out and we'll get it fixed and be on our way in the morning so they get to this town um and of course coincidentally as soon as they show up weird shit starts happening in the small town where people are becoming infected with something and it sort of turns them into virus zombies. Like they, they get like super pale. And then, uh, but the interesting thing is if they touch you with their hands, it starts burning like immediately. So like if they touched your arm or whatever, it would start smoking and your, your arm meat would start burning. <clears throat> um, so then of course the local, uh, local sheriff who, coincidentally has been <laughs> chastised for being a little too drunk sometimes by the state police uh, starts looking into all these weird murders or deaths or whatever you want to call them with the uh, local doctor who is of course his ex-girlfriend and there's this weird tension between them um, so Wingshauser and his brother stay at like this local B&B and uh they're like, oh, we'll figure it out tomorrow. And then, of course, more people keep dying. So they never end up getting out of town. Uh, the movie itself was sort of okay. But then I would say the last 15, 20 minutes were actually pretty awesome. Where the majority of this town has been infected. And so there's like a handful of people trying to hide from this horde of Bernie zombie things. 
and uh, you know they're trying to barricade themselves in buildings or whatever. But there's just massive people breaking into it and stuff like that. So that stuff was good. Otherwise, it's kind of uh, kind of long and a little boring at some points. We find out the culprit is like toxic waste that some company owns land in the area got into uh, like a water supplier or something i don't know so so it's a sneaky sequel to redneck zombies sort of yeah um yeah but i mean like i said the last 15 20 minutes was enjoyable some of the other stuff leading up to it, it's a little like tropish so all shit you've seen before and you're just kind of like all right all right i get it let's just just move on to the next plot point um yeah but it was just a random watch on amazon prime so if you get a chance to watch it for basically free it's not a uh, horrible thing and it's like a mid mid to late 80s movie so if you're into that kind of stuff i'd say recommend um, I watched a movie called Bonnie's Kids from the 70s. Okay. <laughs> this is uh, this was on a two-pack with another movie called The Centerfold Girls with a, with a guy, a serial killer killing off, well, Centerfold Girls. Um, this one deals with two sisters who had to live with their stepdad after their mom died, as we brought up earlier. It was a trope. Uh, and of course, he's awfully handsy. So when he's trying to do the bad touch to the to the younger sister, the older sister shoots him with a shotgun and kills him. Nice. And so then they take off, and uh, they bury him. And they're like, I don't know. He said he was just he was done with us. He was taken off. And since it was the seventies, people just kind of believed that. Nobody really investigated such things. Uh, they know they have an uncle, I think, in Los Angeles. So, which I don't know why they didn't end up living with him, but I mean, I guess he didn't. He mentions how he didn't even show up to his sister's funeral, so maybe I don't know. Uh, and of course, he I don't know owns like a modeling agency or some nonsense to get the older one to take her clothes off. Uh, is an excuse in the movie. But then he also runs some shady business deals and uh, hires somebody to pick up a package from, you know, a city far enough away that it, they can't just go themselves and deliver. I don't know. The suitcase has a ton of money in it. That's what they find out. And so then the oldest, oldest sister and this guy they hired who, of course, are into each other now, um, decide to take the money and try to run away but of course they send uh hitmen after him and blah 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 uh it's not great it's just it's a 70s exploitation movie that you would see at a drive-in you know any excuse to get a girl to take her top off and i think pretty much every girl in the movie takes her top off at least once well, that was almost true in deathbed and you didn't even like that movie yeah well fuck that movie um and sort of the plot line is just sort of okay, and stuff doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but that was never the point of the movie. <laughs> so it's just sort of like, eh, it is what it is. If you're looking for a yeah, grindhouse exploitation type stuff, 
I guess it'll fit the bill, but it's, I don't know, it's not super great. I, I enjoyed the Centerfold Girls more than Bonnie's Kids. Um, and I guess the last thing I could talk about, which we did not have high hopes for, um, but me and Amanda have been watching uh, What We Do in the Shadows, the TV series, and it's actually really good. Which I was I was not expecting. I thought it was going to be terrible. Um, what helps is... What's that? I, I was getting ready to say, is this going to be about the Council of Vampires thing? Uh, yeah. Because I saw, I saw pictures on Facebook about it, and I was okay. like, oh, holy shit, now I got to start watching the TV series. <laughs> so the one thing that helps the series is that it's, uh, it's a sequel to, to uh, the movie. Or, like, a spin-off, maybe, would be a better way. Like, the original, the it, it exists separately from the movie. Like, the characters in the TV show are not the characters from the movie. So you're just following around different, another set of vampires in Long Island, or in Staten Island. As they, as they uh, do their vampire shit. And, of course, the Baron, who's, like, this super old vampire, comes to comes to their house and he's wants to discuss with them why they have not taken over America in the last 200 years and essentially they just got really bored and didn't do it so and of course he's played by Doug Jones expertly and so then it's them trying to figure out like well we should probably start taking over America so they of course come up with horrible plans to try to spread, spread vampirism throughout uh, Staten Island and of course it does not work and it's hilarious and whatnot and probably my favorite there because you got the typical like you know because they have a female vampire that lives in the house she's of course got like the corset on and like you know the dresses and all that stuff and her husband uh, wears you know like I don't know they, they just look like old-timey vampires and then there's one vampire that lives with them, and he's an energy vampire. His name's Cliff Robertson. But he can actually go outside during the day. And so what he does is he has an office job, and he goes to work and then just talks to people and bores the living shit out of them, and that's his way of feeding off their energy. So you see him just making people miserable at work. Meanwhile, his eyes start glowing as he's, like, taking all their energy away from them. Um, so yeah, as Noah brought up, the big thing that that had me dying is, is they have to go visit this council of vampires for something that they, they did. And they walk into this room and there's two people at a table. And one of them is Dave Batista, all made up in like Buffy style vampire makeup with the foreheads like all wrinkly and shit. And I was like, oh, it's my good buddy Dave. So they're in there, like, pleading their case, and then someone comes in and is like, okay, they're ready to see you now. And he's like, but I, th I thought this was the council. He's like, no, these guys are prisoners. They've been here for, they've been here since, like, 1930 or something. And they were just so, like, needed someone to talk to that they just made them believe they were the vampire council. Um, so they get into the actual vampire council. And three of the members is the characters from the movie. 
So they, they get to show up and play their characters from the movie, which I was dying. I'm like, this is fantastic. Uh, the head of the council is Tilda Swinton, but she's literally just playing herself. It just turns out Tilda Swinton is a vampire, and nobody knows. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, and then another member is Evan, Evan Rachel Wood. She's a vampire. And then uh, the thing that killed me is that they, they show the next one, and they're like, and yes, and of course, Paul. And it's Paul Rubens. Dread, like like makeup and stuff exactly like his character from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's funny. Like he's got like the goatee and a little bit of the longer hair because they're all just wearing white robes, so they don't have the wardrobe. But I'm just like, holy shit, he looks exactly like he did in Buffy. That's awesome. And then it turns out some people couldn't be there, but so Wesley Snipes skypes in. Nice. So. All these people are standing there. Then where Wesley would be standing is just a laptop, but the connection's terrible, <laughs> so it keeps glitching. And so they'll be talking about something, and then Wesley Snipes will chime in about something they talked about like a minute and a half ago. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Uh, I was gonna say, isn't Danny Trejo one of them? Uh, Danny Trejo is one of them. Yeah. Yes, that's. And of course, he's got his shirt open so you can see his tattoo, and they even they even comment on that. Yeah, it's it's so good. So yeah, they got tons of people who are known for playing vampires in some some movie or another to play vampires in this. And they even bring up like, oh, did did Tom and Brad not make it? And it's like, no, <laughs> they said they were too good for us. They didn't show up. That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, so I was like dying the whole time. It is played completely straight and serious, and I was just, I was loving it. There's like three episodes left this season, and it's already got picked up for another season, and I'm very happy because I've, I've been greatly enjoying it, and I did not think I would, so I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm glad it turned out all right because I fucking love that movie, and I was worried that they were just going to run it into the ground. No, yeah, I was I mean, concerned about the concept working longer term but yeah it actually works works very well did they ever say if the second movie was coming out or not i have not heard anything because you know right after it came out there was a whole thing about they had written a script for a movie called we are wolves yeah that was supposed to be about the werewolf pack but yeah i haven't heard anything they do uh they do have a run-in with another pack of werewolves. Nice show too, which is hilarious. Um, yeah, it's really good. If you get a chance to watch it, it's definitely a recommend. Uh, Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, all right, so next week, since uh, I was forced to watch some horrible shit this week, I decided I'm going to try to pick something that I've at least heard is good. At least one of them. I can't attest, <laughs> can't attest for, for one of them. But. Our attempt at doing good movies is, well, one of the two we heard somewhere might not be terrible. Is that anything? <laughs> it's the best we could do. Uh, so uh, first up, we're going to be checking out Blackula. And then we're going to be following that up with Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde. Two sort of exploitation twists on classic... Horror monsters. Yeah. 
which I'm excited to check and, out. And I think those ended up on the list because I made up the title Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde, and it turned out to be a real thing. <laughs> it's got Bernie Casey in it, too, which I'm excited about. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Anything to wash the taste of deathbed out of my mouth. <laughs> You're so upset. It was so worth seeing that movie just to listen to you be so upset. No. Because I knew it was horrible. I don't even I couldn't even like why is this even on the list? And I I had honestly considered just deleting it at some point. <laughs> like they won't even they won't even realize it. But That's hundred percent true. You totally could delete something off the list and I would never fucking notice. So I tried to play fair and look what happened. Bit me in the ass. Wait till you show up next week and you're the only one who's watched the movies because we hear bad things about them between now and then. <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Sorry, is anybody need a break? No. No. All right. Well, I actually have to run up and grab something to drink. So I'll be back in a couple of seconds. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Brian hated deathbed so much. You think so? <laughs> That's why I made it my mission to point out all the other movies we could have been watching instead of that. Dude, when we very first got on here and Brian got on, seriously, it <laughs> sounded like he hadn't slept in a week. Dude, I fucking wish that was recorded. Right. Where he's like, and he and when he said he's going to kill you if you sleep at his house, <laughs> I think he might. He, might, he really might. I'm going to I'm have to make sure I put a few good movie picks between now and then. <laughs> I'm assuming it'll be something gross. I'll wake up in the middle of the night, like buried in gross yellow foam. Yeah. What were we talking about? 